today on Wilson the VW Bus, the big reveal on why the sewing machine was actually purchased and a tiny little replica of Wilson is created. Don't go away. Welcome to Wilson the VW Bus, the podcast about my adventures with my 1967 Volkswagen camper bus named Wilson. I'm Joe Masperi, the old gearhead in New Jersey, who currently lives out my days with my wife, my family, my dog, and of course, Wilson the VW Bus. If you've made it this far into my second episode of the second season, I want to thank you for indulging me and listening to my stories about Wilson. I'm excited to be able to share my adventures with listeners in seven countries so far, including here in my home in the U.S., Switzerland, where I recently received notice that my podcast was trending in the top 15 of all automotive podcasts, and also the U.K., Germany, India, Poland, and Australia. Not too bad for the first two months of podcasting, so let's see where we can take this. If you remember back in Season 1, I told you how I purchased the sewing machine to relearn how to sew and to create my camper bus jealousy window curtains. Truth is, that was my practice project and not really the initial reason why I wanted to get a sewing machine. You see, ever since I acquired the bus, I planned to use it for some camping adventures with my family. I've done the basic tent camping with my wife and kids and even backpacked and camped in the White Mountains of New Hampshire to the top of Carter Dome, which is a 4,800 foot peak near Mount Washington. You know, the one that people have the sticker on the back bumper of the car that says this car climbed Mount Washington? Well, we camped up there. That was fun. I've also camped in Moab, Utah, at the top of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Uh, We've camped on the beach here in New Jersey and out in the woods of Pennsylvania. I have some very fond memories of camping, but in my mind, nothing would be cooler than camping in the classic VW bus. Now, that being said, I've seen these photos of vintage-style awnings on the sides of camper buses. You know, the the wide-striped tent-like awnings that protect you as you hang out on the side of the bus by the cargo doors. Well, trying to find a new one, or even a used one, is not that easy. And if you do happen to locate one, well, get hold of your wallet. I did find a guy on the Samba who makes an 80-by-80-inch awning for about $595, He also makes an 80 by 120 inch one for $765, so it goes the full length of the side of the bus. He states that with this price, you get one awning, all the fittings and brackets, feet, straps, the gutter feet, the storage bags, instructions, and build sheets, but it doesn't include any of the tubing. The tubing, he says, is readily available at any home center like the Home Depot or Lowe's, Um, and it'll cost too much for them to cut it up and ship it. He has a list of options and accessories, and when I price it all out for what I want, it's going to be over $1,000 easy. Now, coincidentally, as I'm digging into this awning project, I come across a guy here in Andover, New Jersey, who has both an eBay and a brick-and-mortar store for surplus items called the Open Box Shop. He has a ton of blue and white striped sunbrella material, It's the same fabric as what the awnings are made of, and he has it really cheap. So I start to figure out how much material I'm going to need, and it's not going to be that bad after all. But how am I going to make the brackets? I know I can get the poles at the local Home Depot, 
because they're just three-quarter inch electrical conduit. But what about all the connectors? Um, I have some online pictures to start to Google search, but I have no idea what they're called. So I start to think of it as a circus tent. And that's when I discover a website called a1tarps.com. These guys have all the three-quarter inch top corner and double footings and fittings and foot pads, the low peak side fittings, and the stuff is really cheap, like $4 to $6 for each of the brackets. And I only need a few of them. So I start to run the quick math. And even if I purchase the $200 sewing machine and I create the awning for about half the cost of the pre-made awning, I get to keep all the tools and can custom make the dimensions to whatever I want. And I get the creative satisfaction of making it myself. So that was the real reason that the sewing machine was purchased. I ordered the parts from A1 Tarps and I grabbed some conduit from the local Home Depot and ran up to North Jersey to get this umbrella. When I get to the open box shop, he's got a few color options to choose from, like a light green with a white stripe and a dark green and white stripe. But you know, I want the blue to go with the interior, so I get the blue and white color stripes. We measure out more than enough material, and I head back home to start drawing up my design plans. A few days later, the A1 tar parts arrive. So now I can go outside and start laying out the conduit to figure out the dimensions. I first measure up and cut some frame pieces to cover most of the side of the bus and then have it stick out about eight feet away from the bus. But as I stand out in the driveway looking at the mock-up, it's way too big. I decided to resize the dimensions to about 79 inches by 106 inches for the frame and the proportions seemed to fit much better. I'd made some smaller pieces that sit down in the rain gutter on the bus side to attach it to the bus. And then I used a heavy-duty carabiner clip to secure the frame to the roof rack, too. So once the frame is up and attached, it isn't going anywhere, which is one of the main issues I had with some of the other awnings I saw online. Uh, the last thing I need is for my awning to fly off in the wind and hit something. I've gotten the hang of the sewing machine by this point from my previous curtain work, uh, but the trick to this job is that I need to lay out a pattern so that it all looks and it works like the stripes are one big piece. Although I have lots of yards to work with, it's in a row about 54 inches wide, and I need to sew the pieces together, and distance between the stripes needs to look or create an illusion that the pieces are all one big piece. I take a few of the pieces of large red rosin paper that I have in a big roll in the garage, you know, the, the kind of paper you use to lay down the floor and protect it when you're doing construction projects or painting. And I create a few templates or patterns to make sure I don't mess up when I'm cutting this umbrella material. I sew folded edges about a half inch on each side of the material. And then I sew up the top piece with a five inch overlap to cover the awning frame. Although the top is the largest piece of the project, it was probably the easiest because the next came the side triangular pieces that are up on the top. Again, all these pieces had to have a half inch sewn edge and a five inch overlap to cover the frame, but these side triangles were then sewn to the top cover to create a tent. Of course, I ran out of thread, but I was overall pretty impressed with myself when I finally got it finished, and I felt so confident that I went out and purchased some large white fringes to sew on the outer edges of the tent. You got to check out the photos on the Instagram. So now I have the side awning tent created, how do I stow and transport this wonderful creation? 
Well, I found a large top-opening canvas duffel bag from a company called Bear and Bark that was perfectly sized. And all the poles, fittings, and top cover, well, they fit inside with plenty of room to spare. It's a bit heavy, though, because the conduit poles uh, do weigh a lot. But the plan is to throw it on the roof rack, and because the bus is lowered and I'm six foot four, I can reach the top with no problem. I got to thinking, though, what happens if that bag on the roof is caught out in the rain? Well, I had heard about beeswax waterproofing, and when I mentioned it to my artist friend, Kathy, she just happened to have a huge piece of beeswax in her studio that she was not using and was more than happy to see put to good use. I melted it down in small chocolate bar-sized chunks in a small stainless steel melting pot and painted on the beeswax with a short bristle brush about three inches wide and then used a heat gun to melt it fully into the canvas bag. Once the wax looks like it's all gone, the process is complete and the bag is waterproof. This beeswax waterproofing also gave the bag a little patina that I also loved, so I waterproofed the small satchel that I also keep in the bus, which I believe is an old army gas mask bag or something like that, but I use it to carry around snacks and books and the iPad for the dash. The summer season was over at this point, and the leaves are starting to change colors. Autumn has always been my favorite time of year ever since I was a child. Somehow, it just seemed like magic to me. The colors, the cool air returning after the hot summer sun. I would usually read The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings over the summer breaks when I was a child, and I would finish it up in the fall. And in my mind at this time of year, it was like an actual transition to Middle Earth. I get nostalgic about it, even to this day. And I hope that never changes for me. A friend of mine from work mentioned that a neighboring town of Metuchen, New Jersey, was going to be having a townwide garage sale one weekend during the fall. So my wife and I put on our fall jackets and set out to explore the entire town of Metuchen to see what might be available. At one point, on one of the last homes, we came across a guy who was selling thousands of miniature die-cast cars, brand new. He had a toy store that went out of business, and now he was selling the remaining inventory, everything that he had left. I was like a kid all over again. I found myself a pair of 132nd scale 1962 VW 11-window buses. No kidding. They even had the little wound-up springs inside, so if you pull them back and let go, they drive away on you. So I had to take one of those and customize it to make it a miniature version of Wilson. I started by unscrewing the body from the chassis and disassembling all the parts. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to lose that spring-wound motor because I need to lower the suspension to get the bus to have the same stance as Wilson. So I start chopping away with the X-Acto knife, and then it turns that into the Dremel, and I finally get the toy bus lower just right. Then I took the body, and I painted it with the same pearl-white paint I had from the paint and bodywork using my airbrush, and then I even painted the interior of the model with some blue paint. The final step was to take a very small brush and a little rust-colored patina and put a little marks all over, the same marks that Wilson has, in the same spots. I literally held the model in my left hand and walked around Wilson and painted whatever I saw with my right hand. And Now the miniature Wilson is currently hanging out either on my desk in my office or sometimes on the dash of Wilson or on the dining table in the back in the cargo area. I have a second model in green and white that I have not customized, and I plan to give that to my wife's cousin Tom and his daughter Kara, who recently acquired a green and white VW bus project exactly like it. 
Maybe it'll inspire them with their restoration, but don't tell them it's a surprise for the next time I see them. Thanks for tuning in to Wilson the VW Bus. I'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>